So it's, it's always a privilege to, to be here and, uh, and to share. Okay, is it better? Yeah, it's always a privilege to, um, to come and share the word. And uh, the title for today is Jesus Christ the King. And I, I kind of uh, felt that Josh had some insights into my message today. Because a lot of songs that he sang... Okay, is it better? Oh, okay, sorry. Is it better now? Is it better? Okay. So uh, I, I just uh, kind of felt that Josh had, had some insights into the message today. Because a lot of these songs that, uh, that uh, we sang today morning they really set up the stage for today's message. I like Christmas carols. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas carols. And one of the, one of the Christmas songs that I love the most is, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And off late, I've been paying attention to the words that we are singing. And, um, and especially in this particular Christmas song, um, you start this song by, si by singing hark. And hark is an is a old English term for pay attention. Pay attention. And pay attention that the angelic heralds are singing something. And what are they singing? That there is a new king who has been born. A new king has been born. Now, I mean, uh, we will, we'll, we, for, for, for next 20, 30 minutes, we'll spend a lot of time in the first century. And in the first century, Israel. Because Jesus Christ was from that place. And he lived during the first century period. And during that time, to make an important announcement, heralds were sent people who, to, who, who were making the announcements were sent to make those important announcements. And in this case, the, the angelic heralds are singing, pay attention, pay attention. The king is born. And this particular carol is actually pointing to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 14, where the angel is singing, Guys, I have a good news for you. I have a good news for you. A new king has been born. Now, who is this new king? What is this good news? And is this king even ruling today? It's something that we'll explore in the next 20, 30 minutes. You guys are with me? Since we're talking about a king, we're talking about uh, the king's rule, it's really important that we set some foundation. Otherwise, we'll be discussing a lot of different topics on the side. So let's start with some foundation about heaven and earth. Heaven is, is, is God's space. Now, um, just note, notice that I'm using the word space instead of location. So heaven is God's space. In the Bible... The Bible gives us some images about how God spaces. But it's very difficult to understand how God spaces 
from a human mind. But heaven is God's space. Earth is our space. And this earth is made up of people, animals, birds, mountains, trees, valleys, rivers. Earth is our space. Now, in the, in the last few years, in the last few centuries, I would say, there's been a lot of discussion about how heaven interacts with earth. And our understanding of this new king and how this new king rules the earth is based on our understanding of how heaven interacts with earth. So there are three different ways that we can imagine that heaven interacts with earth. The first two are not biblical, but the last one is biblical. I'll start with the first two. The first way in which Christian thinkers, and sometimes a, um, a lot of Christians, they, they, they think or they consider that heaven and earth are one and the same. They are, they, everything that, that is happening today in this world is divinely ordered by God. Everything that is happening is, is divinely ordered by God. So for example, if there is something wrong going on in someone's life, is it divinely ordered? If there is, a, is, if there is, a, is, if there is an event going on in, in this world which is really evil, is that divinely ordered by God? Now this kind of a thinking comes from the philosophy of Stoics, which was very popular during the time of Greek and Roman empires, where everything they considered was ordered by God. But, but this particular thinking does not explain why there is evil in this world today. So this thinking is wrong. This thinking is wrong. God does not cause evil to happen in this world or in your life. He is a good God. The second thinking that people have about heaven and earth is that heaven and earth are completely separated. That God created earth and he left it to its own devices. That everything is randomly now happening in, on this earth. And once in a while, when things go really bad, that God intervenes with some miracles or with some, uh, some, uh, some interventions like earthquakes, tsunamis, or pandemic. And you see that in 2020, when the pandem pandemic started, that a lot of people in, on, on social media, they started posting, oh, this is God's punishment on people because people have gone sideways, they've not followed God, which is also wrong thinking that a lot of Christians have. Then what is the right thinking about heaven and earth? According to the classical Jewish and Christian thinking, heaven and earth, they overlap and interlock at certain places at certain times. For example, when, when in Genesis 1 and 2, when Adam and Eve were in the, in the Garden of Eden, they, were, they lived in the presence of God. They lived in the presence of God. At that time, heaven and earth, they fully overlapped. But when Adam and Eve sinned, God sent them out of the Garden of Eden. So at that time, there was a separation between the heaven and earth. 
separation between God's space and human space. And the whole story of the Bible is about how God is bringing these two spaces together. How God is bringing heaven and earth together. And I think that's the, that's the fundamental understanding we need to have when we are, if we, if, we, if we have to understand who this new king is and what this good news is. So let's look at, since we understand the heaven and earth, uh, I've made it as simple as possible so that in this short time we understand how heaven interacts with earth. Now with that understanding, let's go and look at the Old Testament Israel. Now I'm, I'm deliberately using this word Old Testament Israel because I want all of us not to confuse this with the political state of Israel which is there today. Okay. So we are looking at the Old Testament of the state of Israel which is there in the Old Testament of the Bible and, and in, the, in the Old Testament the Bible covers 2,000 years of the history of the Old Testament Israel. 2,000 years. And there are three prominent themes that come out from the Old Testament about, uh, about this Israel that we're talking about. There are three themes. The first theme is about the temple. A considerable portion of the Old Testament is dedicated to describe the temple of God. There's a lot of, lot of emphasis laid on the practices that are followed in the temple of God. The temple was the central part of the life of people of Israel at that time. Now this temple was the place where heaven and earth met. It was a place where the God of Israel lived with his people. And, and from that temple, the God of Israel ruled his people. So the, the temple has a very big significance in the life of the people of Old Testament Israel. Even when, uh, the, the, when the blessings came, the bless, blessings came from the temple. When, 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 um, when, when people of Israel, they traveled far and they had to worship God, they turned themselves towards the temple to worship God. So the temple was a central piece of, of uh, formed a central part of the people of Israel. Now, David, when, when, when the people of God, that is, the, the people of Old Testament Israel, when they went into the promised land, the land that was promised to them by God, the, the, um, the, the first king or the second king of Israel, that is David, he built the capital of Jerusalem, and his son Solomon built a temple for God in Jerusalem. Now, let's look at Psalms. Just to, just to uh, understand and, and, and appreciate the importance of the temple, let's look at Psalms 132, verses 13 to 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has described it for his home. This is my resting place forever. He said, I will live here, for this is the home I desired. So, God lived in the temple, and the temple was a place where heaven and earth met. Well, the second theme 
that you that comes across again and again when you study the history of uh, of Old Testament Israel is worship. Now we worshipped today morning, and for us, worship is more singing because because this term is used to refer to singing uh, in a church, but worship is much more than that. Singing is a form of worship. Whereas in Psalms 95, in verses 6 and 7, or 5 or 6, when David is talking about worship, he, talk, he calls people of Israel to come and bow down before God and worship. So worship is an attitude. We, we sang today about God being worthy. We worship God because he's worthy. We worship God because we value him more than anything in our life. You can worship any other thing other than God or a person in your life. For example, you can worship a national leader. You can, you can, you can worship a national leader and become his follower. When you become a follower of a person, then there are two things that happen. One, you, the, you belong to that person. That's why people call you as a follower. And the second is that the priorities of the person that you follow become your priorities. That's why you see when a national leader calls the nation for some action, so all his supporters will leave everything and they follow the leader because the leader's priorities are the, my priorities because if I worship the leader. Now, let's apply this to the people of Israel. The people of Israel, they worshipped God. When they worshipped God, in Psalms 95, the very next verse, David says that come bow down and worship God. And when we worship God, we become people of God. And the people of Israel, they worshipped God, and that's why they were called as the people of God. And for them, God's priorities were their priorities. God's priorities were their priorities. And, 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 and this is something that the people of Israel understood very well. Very well. And the third theme that comes out is the theme of exile. Now, everything was not great in the kingdom of Israel. The, people, the kingdom of Israel actually split into two after Solomon. It was called as the northern kingdom of Israel with 10 tribes in it, and the southern kingdom of Judah with two tribes in it. The northern kingdom uh, had the capital of Samaria. The southern kingdom had the capital of, uh, of Jerusalem. So the people fought amongst themselves. And, and, and more importantly, that they worshipped foreign gods. So the last 500 years of Israel's history is a painful period for the people of Israel because it documents physical and spiritual exile of the people of Israel. It's a painful period. Just before they were exiled, the people of Israel who were supposed to worship God, they started worshiping other, other gods. They got influenced by the people around them. They should have been an influence on the people around them, but in turn, they got influenced by the people around them and they started worshiping other gods. And when they started worshipping other gods, they also got into some ridiculous practices like child sacrifice. 
And, and you see that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you read that God left the temple. The place where God lived, the place where heaven and earth met, that place God left. And now there were two powerful empires at that time, Assyria and Babylon. They come and destroy Israel, the northern and the southern state. And when they destroy, they destroy the temple completely. They destroy the com temple completely. And they take people as captives, as slaves. So that's why exile is a very, very painful period in Israel's, in, old, in, the, in the history of Old Testament Israel. Because people suffered from physical as well as spiritual exile. There was no God with them. There was no God's presence with them. Now as, uh, again, you, you'll see that when, uh, after 100 years of the first exile, people came back and built the second temple. And that temple is what you see in the Gospels, in the story that is written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so, but, but there's, you will see that in different places in the Bible, that the presence of God was not there in that temple. Now, the, 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 the Israelites have, a, have had, a, or even now, they have a very good practice of celebrating their festivals. Their festivals reminded them of God. So year after year, the people of Israel, in, and in those times, they started celebrating Passover, which reminded them of God's rescue from Egypt. The, and also people during that time started reading the scripture. And then and, and they, and they started um, uh, reading the scripture. And, they, and, and in the scriptures, you see that there is a promise from God of an anointed king. And this anointed king will come and save the people of Israel. So the people are reading these scriptures day in, day out. And their, their expectation is building. But for 500 years, they're under, under, under slavery. 500 years. The, 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 the colonizers change from Babylonians to Persians to Greeks to Romans. But still, there is no help from God. And at this time, there is a, there's a perfect storm. The, 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 the worst of the colonizers, that is Roman Empire, is ruling Israel. The, the people of God are suffering. And, and there is an expectation building up of God is going to do something. At this time, you see Luke saying, Hark, the herald angels sing. Pay attention. God is sending a new king. A new king who will change the destiny of the people. Who will change the destiny of not only the people of Israel, but people around the world. Hark, pay attention. The heralds are singing the arrival of a new king. A glorious king who will bring peace, who will bring forgiveness, who will bring reconciliation and there will be joy everywhere and this king is Jesus Christ well, Jesus Christ came to do three things one Jesus Christ he, he ended the spiritual exile people of Israel for 500 years are without the presence of God 
And Jesus comes to them as Emmanuel. God is with us. Jesus was the, was the, the temple of God. In Jesus, the heaven and earth met. It was Jesus was fully God and fully man. And Jesus came to his people as Emmanuel, that is God is with us. So he, he ended the spiritual exile of not only the people of Israel, but of the whole human race. Second, Jesus, he ended the physical exile by announcing the kingdom of God. Let's look at one, and, he, and let's look at one of the, 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 the biblical verses which talk about this. Very early on in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus announced the kingdom of God. And the whole message of Jesus was structured, was centered around this kingdom. Let's uh, read Mark chapter 1, um, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom, of, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. The, God, the kingdom that was in heaven has come to earth. Heaven is invading the earth. The kingdom that was in heaven has come to earth. Now this kingdom is different from the kingdom that, we, that people are very used to and, and the type of kingdoms that we are used to today. This was a different kind of a kingdom. This kingdom was not under a, king's, a human king's rule. This kingdom was ruled by God. It was a kingdom, it was an upside, upside down kingdom, where the least was the greatest, and the greatest was the least. It was um, a kingdom where the king lived in the hearts of the people, not in palaces, did not have a huge uh, you know, uh, cavalry and, and, and parade, but this king lived in the hearts of the people. This king, the, this, in this kingdom, and, uh, and, and I'm, just, uh, you know, I'm just getting overwhelmed when I'm speaking, but um, so in this kingdom, the, um, you know, in this kingdom, you don't hate the enemies. In this kingdom, you love your enemies. You, you love your enemies. And, and, and uh, in this kingdom, um, no, I'm sorry. I just uh, <laughs> getting a bit distracted with the uh, with the crying and, and uh, okay. So, so in this kingdom, the people are not treated as slaves. They're not treated as subjects. They're not treated as as subordinates. But in this kingdom, um, the people live by reflecting the glory of the king. And they live by reflecting the glory of the king. And they live in their full destiny. So it was a different kind of a kingdom that Jesus was announcing. So he first came to end the spiritual exile. And 
he then came to end the physical exile. And the third, Jesus came to end the rule of Satan. Jesus came to end the rule of Satan, which was the cause of evil against humanities. Now, by that time, Israel, now we have to go back a bit and, and start looking at some things that were happening in Israel. By that time, Israel was, was, in Israel, there were a lot of nationalist ideas that were coming across. Now, imagine if U.S. and Canada, if they go to a war, and, and, and I'm not uh, hoping that it'll happen, but I'm just saying that in case they go for war, you'll see that on both sides, the soldiers will be praying to God to help them win the battle. And this is what was happening in, in, in Israel, where people thought that God is going to send an anointed king, and this anointed king will come and establish the political kingdom of Israel against the, the Romans, and this political kingdom of Israel will then rule the whole world. But they failed to realize that the powers of darkness, the powers of evil that were against the Roman Empire, which was ca causing violence, suppression, death, greed, the same powers were at work against the people who had this idea of a political kingdom of Israel. So Jesus sees the devastation that is caused by sin and these powers of darkness to people of Israel and, and, and to the people throughout the whole world. And Jesus takes the, the brunt of these powers of darkness onto himself, and he dies on the cross. Now, in Canada this doesn't happen, but, but imagine you are in a country where, there are, where, where the country is ruled by, by people like the local warlords. And if they find an opposition, what do they do? They go and kill that person. The same thing happened on the cross. That is, the powers of darkness use their ultimate weapon, death on Jesus. And Jesus died. Now, if Jesus had died, and, and if the story had ended there, it would have been a great dis disappointment. Because a lot of leaders at that time in Israel, they called themselves as anointed kings. They called themselves as anointed kings, and they worked towards establishing the political kingdom of Israel. And if they had to establish a political kingdom of Israel, they had to fight Romans. And Romans were very powerful people. And so they came and eliminated all these anointed kings when they rose up against them. So, so if Jesus had not risen from the dead, he would be one of those kings who were dead. Right? So, but on the third day, something spectacular happens. That is Jesus, he rose again from the dead. Right? And this is something that is spectacular from the human, it's one of the most spectacular things that happens in human history that Jesus, on the third day, he rose again. And on the 40th day, he actually ascended into heaven and is sitting on the throne. The way it was prophesied in the book of Daniel. Now the real question comes, 
Why is this a good news? Why is this a good news? And to understand why this is a good news, we need to understand how good news worked in the ancient world and, and, and how, how did people look at good news in the ancient world. Now, um, if, if two kingdoms were at war, imagine there are two kingdoms at war, then it, the war itself was a, a, a problem for the, 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 the people of the two countries. There was pain, death, suffering. There was a lot of uncertainty. And imagine towards the end of the war that one king wins and the other king loses the battle. The victorious king used to send messengers to his capital city and to all the important cities in his kingdom announcing that the king has won. And that was a good news because the people's life, as soon as they heard the good news that the king has won, the king is alive and he's on the throne, as soon as they heard this news, the life of people changed. Because now the life of pain, suffering, death was replaced by a life which of new possibilities, new opportunities, peace, joy. So there was a change that happened when they heard this good news. And that's, and, and that's how good news worked in the ancient kingdom. And so why do we, in the ancient world, so why do we call the death of Jesus as good news? None of the New Testament writers, the four gospel writers, Paul, or any of the New Testament writers, they, they, they don't share the story of Jesus or what happened with Jesus as a good story. They don't share it as a good advice. They don't share it as a good choice. They don't share it as a good teaching, but they share it as a good news. And the reason for that is that Jesus, the king, he, he fought against, against Satan, or the powers of darkness, and he defeated them on the cross, and he rose again, he's alive, he's on the throne. The king is living. Because for, for people of old, uh, of, of ancient times, if the king died, the kingdom ended. But in this case, the king is alive and is on the throne. And that's the reason why it's a good news. Today, this, the, we, we don't look at Jesus as, as, as the king of this world. But Jesus, but, but Jesus, it's a good news because Jesus is now ruling. He's in charge. He's on the throne. The world is under a new management. The, the kingdom of God is advancing. The powers of darkness are fleeing because the king, Jesus, is on the throne. He's alive. And he's ruling this world. And so that's the reason why this is known as a good news and not as a good story or a good advice. Because it's a news of a king who was, who, whom we were waiting for since, since a very long time. A story of an anointed king who came onto this earth and he won a battle for, for us and he died for us on the cross. And now he's living 
and he's on the throne. Now, is this king still ruling the world? And I think that's the, that's the, that's the part that we need to look at. The is, is this king still ruling this world? And the answer is yes. So we'll look at some, how is he ruling this world? He's ruling this world through you and me. So let's look at Revelations 5. Verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song with these words. You're worthy. And this is about Jesus. So you sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So this, this song is talking about Jesus. So Jesus was slaughtered and his blood was spilled to ransom, that is to pay a price, not only for the people of Israel, but for the people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues. To do what? The next verse talks about it. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. So Jesus redeemed us so that we could become a kingdom of priests to our God. Now if you go back to Exodus 19 and look at what God told the people of Israel at that time, you'll find that this is the same thing that God told the people of Israel. That you people of Israel will become a kingdom of priests to your God. And now God is telling this to you and me, that Jesus has redeemed you and me on the cross, shed his blood, paid the ransom, and now you are the kingdom of priests and to, our, to, to God. And what does this kingdom of priests do? Next part of the verse, and they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. So the king is on the throne, is ruling this world through us. The king is on the throne, he's ruling this earth through us. It is not that God needs human human beings to rule this earth. It is not that God needs our abilities or our skills. It's not that. But God, because of his very nature, because of how he is, and the love that he has for us, that he rescued and renewed the image bearers, that is you and me, so that we could partner with him as we reign on this earth. Now, when we reign on this earth, there are four themes that are really important. One is the temple. Now, who is the new temple? The temple is destroyed. The temple is gone. Who is the new temple? 
Jesus, when he, when, he, when, he, when he was on this earth, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed and equipped him in his ministry. Now, when we declare with our mouth that Jesus is king, and that's how allegiances were given in the ancient world. When people had to tell that, yeah, that, uh, that someone was their king, they declared with their mouth that that person was the king. They had no passports. They had no paperwork. But they declared with their mouth that that person was the king. And so when we declare with our mouth that Jesus is the king, and when we believe in our hearts that he's alive, then the Bible says that, that God will give the same spirit that anointed and equipped Jesus to us, that that same spirit will fill us. And that same spirit will fill our hearts. And, and, because, and once we're filled with that spirit, we become the temple of the living God. We become the temple of the living God. It, it, it will be a place from which God will rule this world. That we will be the place where, from which God will rule this world. The way he ruled Israel from the temple in Jerusalem. The way God ruled the temple in Jerusalem. The second theme that we see as uh, when we look at God ruling this world through us is worship. Again, the same thing that we had seen in the past. In worship, We, we, we worship the king. And when we worship the king, the king's priorities become our priorities. So the worship is central to kingdom work. Worship is central to kingdom work. And the second theme that we see over and over again in Jesus ruling this earth through us is that worship. That as and when, as the people of God, we start worshiping Jesus, that things start changing. Our priorities will change. Our, 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 our different areas of our life will change. And they start aligning with what Jesus had preached and what Jesus had told that life would be in the kingdom. The third and the most important is witnessing. And that's where we'll spend some time uh, as, as we go through Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. This is something that we sang today as well, and, and I know Greg talked about testimonies and witnessing about God, what God was doing in our life. And, and, and this is really important part of God's kingdom expansion, witnessing. So let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So the people of Israel, or rather the apostles of Jesus, they're, they're surprised by the resurrection of Jesus because Jesus had died. They were disappointed at one point, and, and, and they thought that everything has ended. But now they see that Jesus is alive, so they're excited. Now they're asking Jesus, Jesus, when will this kingdom of Israel come? When is this kingdom of Israel going to come? And, 
And in verse 7, Jesus says, don't really worry about it. It's for God to worry about. But you need to do something which is there in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the one thing that, that, that Luke, the author, has captured here is that when the Holy Spirit comes and you become the temple of the living God, you go and witness about Jesus everywhere to everyone. So what is witness? In our modern English translation, or rather not the translation of the Bible, but just in the dictionary, if you look at witness, witness means sharing with someone about your faith. And when Christians share about their faith, they share about how they can go to heaven when people believe in Jesus. But here, the emphasis of witness is that we go and tell people how Jesus is the king. How Jesus is the king of our life. Not just through our words, but through our action, through our life. And that's real witnessing. And, and, and this word witness is actually in the, in the beginning of this whole book of Acts for a reason. Because when the disciples started witnessing, they saw spiritual experiences, remarkable healings, divine encounters, divine promptings, and a lot of people accepted Jesus as their king. So when we witness the way people came here today, or when we go out into the world, when we witness about Jesus, that we are not on our own, that we have the backing of the king. And we will see the same amount of spiritual experiences, the remarkable healings, the divine promptings, all leading to people coming to know Jesus as the king. And the fourth, the time, okay. Yeah, sure. So, and the, I'll, I'll finish in two minutes. Okay, so the fourth, the fourth uh, theme that we, we are talking about is the church. Now, a lot of people talk about church and how church has, has uh, you know, the, the, the different ideas about church and people talk about church, but church is an important part of kingdom project of God. Church is an important part of the kingdom project of God. And, and the church is a place, in, 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 in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, if you, if you read this, chap, uh, this, uh, this verse, it says that the, the entire wisdom in its entirety and diversity is revealed to the church. The entire wisdom of God is revealed to the church. And uh, Greg mentioned about the church being the body of Christ. So the church is like a place where people are trained up. It's a place where transformations happen. It's a place where people are taught and they're sent into the world to, to bring to witness for Jesus. So, so just to conclude, Who is the king of this world? Jesus is the king of this world. And in, I would, and, and, and in, this, in, in this world today, we always talk about Satan ruling. That's a wrong understanding of the good news. Satan is not ruling this world, but Jesus is ruling this world. 
the kingdom of God is advancing. And as the kingdom of God advances, that the darkness will flee. And, and there's one thing that you will see in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus says that all authority in heaven, heaven and earth is given to me. Now, Jesus is summoning a, a, a people, a new humanity, that will rule and reign this earth with him. Now, we, we won't rule and reign this earth using tanks or bombs or violence or death, but reign and rule this earth in Jesus' style, which is in the power of service, humility, and self-giving love. Thank you so much. Ashish, thank you for sharing the word this morning. And uh, we just pray that for each one of us in this Christmas season, that the King of Kings would capture our attention, that we'd be captivated by him, that his kingdom would show up in our lives, that we would see heaven manifest in our lives, and that as we go out into the world, that we would represent him well as kingdom ambassadors. Um, just as we close today, I want to encourage you to join us for coffee. There's coffee. I think there's cookies over there in the, in the hallway. We can't, we can't meet or congregate out in the lobby because the theater is now open for movies. But in the, hall, or in the, the lobby, or I mean in the hallway, right out in the theater here, we can have coffee. And we encourage you guys to connect. If you're a parent and you need to get your kids, please do so immediately after the service. That'd be great. And for anyone that's new, Meet us over there. We would love to connect with you. And leaders as well. Let's make our new people that are here feel welcome. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. You are loved.